This recording was made on Goringai Country, Northern Beaches, New South Wales. It's the only way that you can describe what a person is, describe what they do. There doesn't seem to be much job satisfaction or pleasure in this picture. You know what we have to talk about um, right away is we have to we have to um, we have to revisit this idea of magic. Because we've talked about it before, but it's because we, the reason we need to talk about it again is because there's another thing we need to talk about again, which is resting bitch face. And there's and like, do you have one? Because you might without realizing it. Because as we've established, if you're looking at somebody in the face and you don't smile at them, you need to understand that you're glaring at them, and and you are sort of generating a really hostile exchange instead of like both of you just grinning and just having a cute little lull together about your little moment. I mean, that's what else, what other word is there basically for that if it's not magic? And that's why we need to revisit these two things because they're the same thing. And it's just something I'm, I'm, I'm noticing more and more of. And I guess that's what makes us wizards or magicians or whatever you want to call it. Um, those of us here um, today, tonight, wherever you are, um, and because like I, I seen I seen this documentary recently, and it made me feel so much more positively about the experience of it that I've been having in my life. And it's this seven part series called Harry Potter's, and it's so like I can't tell you how good it feels to have it validated. Like so much of what I've been going through. In, in like my adolescence and stuff and just wondering if I'm just dreaming at all, but it's really there and it's proven in those moments, which I just can't stop like noticing at the moment is whether you smile, whether you're one of those, you're either someone that smiles and you, you realize that there's an opportunity in every single time you look someone in the face and, and you can, the opportunity is something you can just do with your face and, and generate some magic and if you've got a better word for it, then hit me up because I think science would love to ignore it some more. But I think we're here because we need to talk about it some more. And I, I suppose it makes us scientists. That's what I mean, we know that, but the, the, what, that's why it makes us scientists, you and me, because we're just pioneering undiscovered science here. And magic is the best word for it. And the other, the other proof always that I've realized as well is the same thing is, and, and pretty much why we keep going off the deep end about it every time I sit down and do this is that you get that feeling in the ocean. It's that same like undiscovered, but very potent, real tangible in its own right thing. It exists out there. There's an exchange for some reason you can go in the sea and, and go through like three or four hours of crazy aerobic fitness and then just come in like re-energized instead of, oh, I mean, like you're obviously pretty rooted at the end of a big surf, but you have this new thing. You have this energy, this thing that you've taken away from the experience that is thus far undefined. And that's pretty much why we're here. And and what if we re- can recap what we've discovered so far, um, it's that surfing basically feels like this. That song is just, that is exactly what the feel, I mean, that's as good of 
a description of that feeling as we could dream of. It's way better than just regular words like the one I'm, the ones I'm trying to use right now. Um, it's like the Bee Gees nailed it with with the help of music, obviously. And so I realized I've found another really important definition of a certain feeling that happens in the ocean. It can happen with or without a board, but typically speaking, you're writing a current in the ocean of some description and you just get this momentary feeling where I realized I've also heard that feeling in sound in um, my past, I guess, when I was at Hogwarts. And, and it's this sound. You get glimpses of that. And that, that noise, if you don't know, is star power, which maybe you do know, but if you do, it means you had a very privileged childhood like me and um, you should probably care about things more than um, other people do because you've got the most opportunity to do something about them. Anyway, um, problems and stuff. Anyway, um, if you know what that sound is, it's Mario Kart 64 um, on Nintendo and was that it? Oh, I don't know. Whatever. We, we know what we're talking about here. And it's when you, you either do something really good or you punch the balloon and you get the prize and whatever. And and for that, the next little bit, you're just caning it. You're going so quick, untouchable. And I think that's the feeling when you like take off on a really tricky wave, but you manage to connect all the dots the right way and, and turn where you need, needed to turn and just really get the most of what it had to offer. That's the feeling each time you do it. And it's like, there's no other way of really explaining it with, um, with words, except for, except for that noise. And so, and so, and so anyway, for all you hotshots out there who already knew this, or you had some better understanding of it than, than I do, well, kudos to you, but I only just figured all this, I'm only just figuring all this stuff out, guys. Well, only just, sorry, I'm sorry. But but hey, you know, you're sitting in preschool with me here now for some reason, you've tuned in. And so that's, so if, for all intents and purposes, it's you as well. We're just figuring this out because we're all just doing it for the first time. And, and, and for us right now, what I mean is we're figuring out what the feeling of the ocean is in noise other than the one's that we make with our face. And and the sequence goes like this. I think we've got a pretty comprehensive representation of the experience at large now. For I mean, you probably you probably do surf if you listen to this because the last however many episodes have just been off the deep end about surfing, kind of just as as we are now. Um but if you don't surf, if you're still out there someone who doesn't surf or maybe you can't surf and in that case I'm I'm like, wow, I hate thinking about someone who doesn't get to do what I do like that to presentate so i suppose this is the best i can offer it is an audio representation of the experience <clears throat> surfing is when you can have a really bad day and then at the end of it somehow after five minutes sitting in the ocean bouncing around the waves your whole life just starts to feel like this is the whole experience suddenly Everything's great. We're just cruising. We're out. We're surfing. It's perfect. It is perfect surf, no matter what the conditions are, even if it's two foot and on shore. Because, I mean, we're surfing. That is, by definition, a perfect activity. Wow, I was having a shit day and suddenly, 
life's amazing and I love nature and everything. And, and then every now and then you take off on a crazy wave and then you connect all the dots and you feel like this. Can't believe I was having a shit day, you know, half an hour ago. And then, okay, so every now and then something bad happens and, and someone with um, a bad attitude um, and, and really aggressive behavior paddles over and does something horrible to you, even though it's your local and you've never seen them before, but they decide to start abusing you. And, and then every now and then, I mean, if you live in a busy city, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. It's been happening heaps uh, and seems to be happening more and more. And, um, but it just happens. So don't whinge about it. Your puss rolls like don't just have a cry about it. Accept it and realize, hey, that like it's still perfect. It's still amazing that we get to do this. That we get to go out and like slide around on the sea and just wow, take away this experience from the ocean. But it does get kind of tainted by too much accidental sharing, I guess. And when that happens, here's what surfing becomes as a noise. Uh, no, sir, I, I'll shut the fuck up, yes, sir. Well, you might not be so rude. But, you know, it only lasts a second. And if, if you're both adults, you can just get on with it and realize that accidents happen, whether it was you for doing the wrong thing or, or you know, you or me um, heaps recently for some reason, annoyingly, um, realizing that you have to accidentally share with someone who's taken off in front of you. And if people drop in on you, it sucks. Like, it always sucks. But... But I actually had a really good experience of it recently because, as I say, I don't know whether it's just the nature of the times, but so much of it at the moment. And anyway, I got dropped in on by um, a kid who was like probably the height of my knee. And then we just rode the wave together, like the whole way in. And then like she kind of like floated off the back and I caught it a bit further and I turned around. And I just like put both my arms up and then so did she. And we were just like, yes. And like, where else does that happen? We, like <laughs> anywhere in life to just have that moment with a random human being out of the carousel. You spin it, out comes a person of some description. And that description varies so widely in the sea. And you just get to have these, I don't know, opportunities to experience magic together. And, and yet, you know, apparently some people think Harry Potter's was made up and like, like you're a prick if you think that, because like, why take that away from all of us? Do you know what I mean? And so I'm just so firmly against denial of it. I just hate the denial of it. It just like, it's so, I guess, symptomatic of the climate denial of this whole country. Like we're actually as Australians, we're pretty bloody good at denial. Nah, she'll be right. Like, eh, nah, it's not that bad. Oi, 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 I think like, yeah. And then like when people are like, oh my God, you're from Australia. That place is so blah, 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 amazing. And we're just like, eh, it's pretty good. Eh, nah, she's all right. She goes all right. Yeah. And we're just like, I mean, we should be, yes, we live in the most insane place in the entire world and actually know a lot of our environmental shit won't just be right. It like actually requires all of us, even the ones who think, nah, probably not me. It's you as well. Like it, this is what climate change is. It is just this call to arms to be a fucking human being, in my opinion. And then, and then, and then, I don't know. It's just this cool opportunity to establish community 
and and all of those great values and stuff that come with that, as well as preserving the planet for, you know, as long as possible. And, you know, when we were talking last time, I think I got really lost in the weeds trying to express something that I want to revisit about the relationship between the news and you and me and then also the government. And because like that relationship is that is such a such a dynamic sort of Venn diagrammy like blurry blurry picture about how we receive and from where um, all of our information and stuff. And so what we were talking about last week and what I want to revisit. I mean, there was that video with Keith Pitt, which is just the most infuriating thing to listen to ever. This fucking used car salesman tactics of just for some reason, refusing to even say the word battery. The other thing that we were talking about was the Great Barrier Reef avoiding getting placed on the in-danger list by the World Heritage Committee. And, and you know, it's just one of those things that makes you scratch your head instantly. You're like, excuse me? Like, I speak English and everything, but um, I'm not really... It's 2021, so I don't actually know if what you said just made sense. But, but you just said the Great Barrier Reef avoided in danger and greater protection status by the world. You said it avoided or you said it got it? No, it avoided losing it. Wait, do you know what I mean? Like sometimes I see headlines and I'm, I'm like, did I misread that? Hopefully I just read it avoided not getting that, you know, greater endangered classification and more protection and more value placed on it by the world as oops, oops the lungs of the world. Oops, like we'd better not kill it. And and that'd be kind of an obvious thing. And I see a headline that like that and I just think there's no way I just read that right. It was on the table, but the biggest lobbyist against it was Australia. And and so we were successful. You, if you're Australian listening, and me and all of uh, the rest of us, and yes, him as well, and her as well, and them as well, like all of us, that was what we voted for. We're like, nah, doesn't need it. It's all good. Don't worry about it. She's not that bad. And and that's what our environment minister, Suzanne Lee, went into bat for us with. That's what she voted for, for us, and fought hard against it receiving greater protection status. And aside from asking yourself why, you think like, how? On earth did that happen? And literally, it's how on earth because here's a here's an excerpt from a piece from the Guardian ahead of the meeting. The Australian government had conducted a fierce campaign to block the danger listing. More than a dozen ambassadors flew from Canberra to Cairns for a snorkeling trip on the reef. Australia's Environment Minister Suzanne Lee was dispatched to Europe to visit Budapest, Madrid, blah blah blah, all these other places. Anyway. By the time it came to vote on it, we had secured support. We Australians had secured support to not classify the Great Barrier Reef, which is arguably our treasure to to preserve. To I mean, we can't possess a natural wonder of the world like that, but definitely we're the greatest beneficiaries of it because it's on our doorstep. So it's most incumbent upon us to look after the thing. And we're fiercely um, conducting a campaign against um, looking after it anymore. Now, too bad. Like, it's fine, basically. And so we secured support from Ethiopia, um, Saudi Arabia, 
Hungary, Mali, Nigeria, Oman, Bosnia, Herzegovina, ooh, Russia, and Spain. Was that racist that I didn't know what that third last one even is? Sorry, but I mean, like, it's hardly, it's hardly, uh, you know, a resounding thumbs up from the majority of our contemporaries. And in fact, it's pretty, I think that speaks for it all. But that's the fact is that you and I being represented like that overseas and around the world and historically it's going down on record right now on behalf of you and I as Australians that that's how we feel about climate change and about looking after the environment. And it's reflected in exactly like that interview with bloody Peith Kit, the used car salesman going, I'm not going to say it. I don't know what about a diesel generator. And, and just like slipping his way through that ridiculous interview. And, and we're lobbying against the reef being looked after as well. So days before that was put to a vote, this piece of news came out about Great Barrier Reef recovery and and this study that was funded by the Australian Institute whoop, good one rolls the Australian Institute of Marine Science. Is that right? Yes. AIMS, which is funded by the Australian government. So instantly, for me, instantly, I know like it's like, oh, who else is gonna pay for it? Yeah, well, cheers. Thanks for um I don't know, derailing me with that. But um but the fact remains there's an in- immediate integrity crisis in the whole equation. How on earth can you retain any objectivity and integrity by by funding the results? Uh, but anyway, the Australian Institute of Marine Science came out with a paper about coral recovery growth on the reef, you know, up by X percentage. Oh, it looks amazing out there at the moment. It's working. It's working. And it was put out as this piece of like good news, something that we should celebrate. But it was literally days before we managed to, you know, put it off for another year that the the magnifying glass is again put on Australia's lack of action on climate. And so we've put that off for another year. But it begs the question, is there a relationship between that story coming out and then the other piece of news happening days later? And trying as far as trying to influence the community barometer about how we feel about certain environmental goings-ons, going, good, nice. Um, do you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm getting at? It just seems conspicuous. And I just think to myself about all the movie, I mean, all the documentaries I've seen, like like Harry Potter's and James Bond, where, like, y- you know that crazy shit goes down. And so and so because we know that, isn't it easy to imagine some some just, like, slippery chain of phone calls that goes on in a situation like that? Where where someone in in I guess where someone in Canberra submits that piece of research from this government funded Institute of Science, so like submits it days before this thing's going to go to a vote and we're going to avoid Great Barrier Reef protection again. Can't you just imagine it? Similarly, you know, it can go both ways because at the same time, you might not have heard about an extinction rebellion protests that went on at Parliament House in Canberra, where they lit a pram on fire and spray painted crazy words in red paint all over Parliament House. Major protest, right? Humongous piece of news. That's the Australian capital. And the ABC didn't run a single story on it. 
and like Google it. Like I would love to say, you know, like the good old days, yeah, I'll put a link in the description for you to look at. But the problem is, is there are none. So I'll put a link to another one about it from like, I guess, a foreign newspaper who doesn't invest in the outcome as much, but far out, man. It's crazy that that's the way we find that stuff out. And and you just think about how slippery people like Keith Pitt are. I mean, it's just creepy. It just creeps me out. I guess it's like, it's lockdown, COVID, blah, blah, blah. My tinfoil hat's as thick as it's ever been. But but like lockdown or not, it, that's so easy to imagine. And because it, it all matches up with our policy. And it all matches up with this fear that I have of needing to explain this shit in the future. How on earth are you listening? This is a genuine question. If you have an answer, please tell me because I have no idea how I am going to be able to look future children in the eye and tell them like what was going on around the world when, when I was able to do something about it. How on earth is that conversation going to go down, especially with the transparency of the internet? Fuck me! I mean, just think about these things from, from the recent past, these three things. The first thing, Scott Morrison again rejects the IPCC's finding of why we need more climate action. Number two, Environment Minister Suzanne Lee lobbies hard against the Great Barrier Reef receiving protection status. Number three, Heath Kitt embarrasses himself on Sky News by literally refusing to say the word battery. And, and you just shake your head and you sit back. Fuck me! Oh my God, perfect. Um, perfect time for that new addition to the sound gourd, guys. Sam Warner has been on fire. He sent me another amazing clip. And, and it's this, and it's good because what we're really doing here on self-talk podcast is like learning English together and stuff and, and just like practicing thinking thoughts and things. And this clip is a really good way to practice learning about Australian blokes who are on a tinny basically, or it's bigger than a tinny uh, and in a wannabe because they're looking at a six meter great white shark and the, and the dialogue is just, it's, it's exquisite. Eyes of him. They're not having a bait here in the water. What's this, job? Thank you. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Don't like this. <laughs> Go away, fuck you. Oh, <laughs> shit. Shit, shit, shit. I've never seen one that fucking big. That, that's enough for me. Fuck. Mate. <laughs> He's just sitting there, what the hell? Yeah, as long as he stays down there. He's scoping us, mate. Oh, my God, this thing. Oh, I'll put a link in. Oh, it's hectic. Fuck me! Holy shit. Jesus, fuck me. That Christ. is fucking huge. That is massive. Oh my god. I've now seen my first six, me six meter white pointer. Ah, uh, is, isn't that just like the most exquisite piece of audio you've ever heard? so good i just love it i love that i love that that's why we're scientists here is because we're here for like we're here to talk about the ipcc and and i guess politics sometimes and then we're here to talk about surfing mainly and then and then and then we're just here to practice australian culture and listen to amazing noises of the locals like and listening to the noises of amazing native animals like this Fuck me. <laughs> Have you ever heard someone mean a word as much as that guy when he says the word massive? Listen back to it. He's like, he makes that word sound like what it means. 
massive. Oh. That is massive. Oh my god. Massive. Listen to that, the weight in that way. I just love it. Holy fuck, I've never seen one that fucking big. Shit, shit, shit. No, I go back. Fuck ya, fuck ya. So good, man. Anyway, um, I think it's probably, I mean, it's probably time to wrap up because we've covered some important science already. Oh, no, there's one other critical update. Guys, Hemsey's back. I don't know how he's managing it during the lockdown, but I hadn't seen him in a while. And and then he, I was wondering if he lost me because I'd like made some efforts to just like, I don't know, like limit my movement, not not leave like not leave a trail, you know, not encourage the behavior anymore. But but anyway, I can still accept the fact that the man wants to learn some things from me and stuff. So I, I kind of accept it when it happens. But his disguise this time was insane. He was dressed up. And the re- this is the reason I know it was him is because I've actually never seen a disguise quite this extensive. But if there's one like I definitely know it was him in disguise because if there's one bloke that could pull it off, it's the almighty Chris Hemsworth. And so and so anyway, this time he was dressed up as like probably a bloke in his 60s, I guess. And I guess I don't know how they did it, but they made him actually look a, sh- a whole foot shorter. And it was hectic, but I looked him in the face and, and in that moment when I smiled, like smiled, sort of greeting, like, oh, what's up, dude? I'm not just going to glare at you and ignore you and whatever. And then he just locked on and then started telling me why I need to care about the Brumbies and not the footy team, the Brumbies either. But this is why I know it was made up because I was like, this bloke can't possibly exist in real person, like in real life in front of me here. This can't be real. This has to be someone's imagination, maybe mine. But but anyway, this bloke is going on about the Brumbies and why we need to protect them in the snowy mountains. And I'm sort of bewildered at this point because I'm thinking I'm standing a few hundred metres from the beach, mate. So um, anyway... Hemsey had like rehearsed a lot of pretty, I guess, compa- like passionate dialogue about looking after the heritage of of the Brumby and blah blah blah. And anyway, I'm, that's why I'm pretty sure it was him because it's been a while um, since I've noticed him following me. And then I guess like he had to slip up at some point and make it a bit too obvious by being this make believe character. Um, but there's no way that anyone could genuinely like not look at the Brumbies in the snowy mountains as a really dangerous feral pest. It's It kind of blows my mind. I was reading a story, I mean, ironically enough, on the ABC having kind of in, unintentionally um, but undeniably dissed them uh, 20 minutes ago. But on the ABC, there's this story about the Brumby situation and about these people who want to protect the Brumbies. People like John Barillaro who introduced... The Brum- well, no, the Wild Horses Protection Act or whatever. Not didn't want to use the word Brumbies because it's too contentious. But whatever it is, made it impossible to trap and rehome them in the way and I guess at the volume that was previous. And since then, in the last three years, the numbers have just ballooned, and those fucking things and those hooves are everywhere. And it's as simple as horse sees a bush, feels hungry because horse always feels hungry. Delicious bush, eats the bush, off I go. Oh, another bush. And then every one of those bushes, you need to almost think of as a city. 
because it's it's homing so much life and so much native. It's as simple as taking away the place that a marsupial calls its house. And then and then that's gone and then they'll just stop surviving, full stop. And we're protecting the things. Isn't this country amazing in some ways? Like what a crazy, hip- hypocritical contradiction of a place where we've got the most beautiful country on earth and we care the least about looking after it. And, and it's all on record. That's us, guys. That's you and me. And, and like there's things that we can do to fix it. And really, the, the reason we're both here is because of that point. It's like where there's so much more that we can do to look after this planet in our day-to-day lives than we are. We don't need to wait for politics and, and the dinosaurs in Canberra to, to catch up. It's like you can just start doing it. Just decide that shit for yourself. I mean, my genuine experience of that whole, like this whole come to Jesus philosophy is like, oh, suddenly life is very good. Suddenly life is just like, and and I like, it's weird, man. It, it Like for me, my experience of it is going, oh fuck, I can do this way better. And then as soon as I started trying, I started feeling so much better about like everything and like being alive and thinking thoughts and stuff. It all just, it's so much easier once you just come to grips with it. I wouldn't be sat in this dark room by myself talking to the thin air in front of me if I didn't like wholeheartedly believe that it really is the time to throw every single piece of energy that you have at reversing climate change. And it's like just pursuing every angle. This is one of them. So, so yes, so definitely time to go on that, um, on that meaningful note, because I do appreciate it. And it's, you know, it's like we talk about, obviously we talk about some heavy things sometimes slash all the time because that's all we think about really. Um, and one of them is being misrepresented globally for, for our attitudes towards the environment when I think that this is the time. We know everything. Like you really don't need me to tell you that. We know this is the time to like step up. So even though, you know, politically we see things that just make us feel like GR. And even though, you know, politically we hear things sometimes that make us feel like Gordon Ramsay choking on some dank shit in a, in a yucky restaurant, Keith Pitt, blah, 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 or Susan Lee saying, nah, the reef's all good, don't worry about it, we're busy with um, meetings with um, Adani, talk to you later. Fuck me. With Adani, talk to you later. Ah, uh, fuck me. Uh, it like we just have to talk it out i think so so anyway so i'm going now and cool and nice and talk to you next time cool bye and that my dear is fucking delicious